0: Hey, Dr. D, good night. Hey, Dr. S. You know what today is? What's today? Do you know what today is? It's Sunday. Okay, it's Sunday dinner time. Yeah, so uh,
1: what's on the plate for today? All right, so tonight we're serving up Brain Injury Chronicles, and we're going to be talking about racial bias and concussion testing in the nfl
0: all right you're giving us the whole meat potatoes double egg mm. potato salad all the goodness mm, don't forget that mac and cheese you're right I always forget my favorite part so add the mac and let's
1: eat mm, let's eat About these two NFL players and their lawsuit against the NFL related to concussion testing. So back in 2013, there was this landmark concussion settlement um, in which the NFL agreed to pay 765 million dollars to That's sell a, money. a lawsuit. I know. Um, so they were selling this lawsuit to over like 4,500 players and their families. And this um, case was about them being accused of concealing what they knew about repeated hits to the head, right? So um, so they agreed to pay out this money, okay? So now let me first tell you about these two players. So Najee Davenport and Keevan Henry are accusing the NFL now of being explicitly and deliberately um discriminatory against probably like thousands of black players who have filed um uh, dementia related claims oh wait so
0: you said it's like 4,000 football players that they were doing like a settlement with?
1: Uh, that was the initial case in 2013
0: and then like these two are like directly suing them now for yeah. dementia related stuff? yeah interesting okay
1: yeah so um, and so, what they're saying is is that their um, this uh, discrimination that's happened against all of these um, black players who have dementia-related claims have denied them from receiving about like three million dollars in payouts, pretty much. So let me give you a little back information about each player. So Najee Davenport, um, he's a former former NFL running back. He was um, drafted in 2002 to the Green Bay Packers and then eventually played with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shout out to the Steelers. That's yeah. my team. That's your team. And then the Indianapolis Colts. OK. Um, and he went by the nickname of Dookie and Duck <laughs> Wait, Wait. Wait. OK,
0: I got questions. Who gave him the nick? OK, I'll wait. Okay. I'll wait.
1: OK, so I'll tell you um, that now the nickname story don't have nothing to do with my story but it's interesting okay in april of 2002 just before he went into the nfl he allegedly broke into a woman's dorm room at barry university he was a student at university of miami okay Bear university is also in miami right. um and he broke into her dorm room and get this defecated in her laundry basket so me- about <laughs> It's not funny. It is absolutely
0: not funny. So let me, hold on, let me get my bearings together. So you're trying to tell me that this NFL player who eventually got drafted has a record, like documented notice of him doing number two in somebody's laundry basket in the college?
1: Exactly. So, you know, he was a college student at this time. But they
0: drafted him. <laughs> they after did, that. and
1: so let me tell you. Initially, he had felony charges, um, a felony charge of second degree burglary, and a misdemeanor count of criminal mischief. Mm. But they were dropped um in exchange for a hundred hours of community service. And that's I'm it. I'm guessing that's because he was going into the NFL, and that right?
0: that privilege, mm-hmm. that privilege, because I was. And yeah.
1: he denied it um he denied it uh he He denied his boo-boo being in the basket he was on record saying where's the evidence where's the manure i didn't do it i just want this to be over with but um the nickname stuck with it wait (laughs) (laughs) wait go back he said where's the evidence he said where's the manure sir
0: So what was in the laundry basket wasn't enough evidence? I, I don't
1: know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so that's his story. That's part of his story. Okay. Um, but anyway, he was um he was in the NFL for seven years as a running back. He retired at the age of 29. And now at the age Dang. of yeah, at the age of 41, he is reporting episodes of memory loss, neurocognitive decline. Depression and even just challenges doing household chores.
0: I mean, he retired at twenty nine. That's kind of young.
1: Twenty nine. I mean, it's
0: old in in sports realm, but it's Mm -hmm. still kind of young. I mean, look at, you know, Brett Favre and them. They went a very long time.
1: Yeah. Well, and then check this out. So he actually sustained at the least ten concussions while he was in his seven seasons in the NFL, and one of those concussion experiences was so severe that actually one of his eye sockets was crushed. Oh Jesus and, and he had to have surgery. That makes me think how many concussions
0: did he sustain when he was a college football player with Miami? Mm-hmm. I know. I know.
1: You his never eye really socket
0: knew. got crushed. Yeah. Gosh.
1: And so he did try to like um he tried to work. Like he went He was able to go back to school and get an advanced degree in education. He became a teacher, Mm. but he eventually had to stop working um, because his memory loss and his, um, his memory loss was increasing. He had developed a very quick temper and his depression um, uh, escalated. Mm. So, um, so he did have some challenges and even like, he also had some um, interactions with the law and like around 2007 he had some domestic violence um, cases sense. with the mother of his son um, he was found not to be guilty but they were he was initially charged with like um, endangering and unlawful restraint and
0: that makes cases. sense I mean if we look at all the football cases most of them is including this most recent one right most of them have domestic violence charges right.
1: yeah and you know and when we talk about concussion symptoms, what do we talk about? Emotional behavioral symptoms, aggression, um, disinhibition, irritability, all mm-hmm. those kind of things. Um, and so, you know, those things can, can play a role in how you function in life. All right. So that's Najee, right? Now we have Keevan Henry. Okay. Keevan played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, And he had a substantial number of concussions. I couldn't find out how many he actually had. They just put the words substantial.
0: Shout out to the Steelers again.
1: (laughs) And then this was during his eight-year career with the Steelers. Um, And he was released when he was 33. Hmm. He went back home to Georgia, fell into a deep depression for about two years. And then he eventually got a job at Coca-Cola, but he had to leave after about a year because of depression. And his temper um, Mm. he couldn't control very much and so he hasn't been able to work a full-time job since then Mm. Um, so basically his wife works and then she reports like also managing like his mood swings um, outbursts uh, his memory loss Mm -hmm. and she was saying like he can go from zero to ten just really really quickly and um, like her comment was that he was deteriorating like right in front of her wow okay so yeah yeah, it's it's very interesting so both of these guys um have had neurological exams with the nfl's payout program Mm. so henry did his in 2017 and his doctor concluded that he was impaired in three different areas which included learning and memory but his claim was denied because they said that there were incorrect normative scores were provided. Okay. Wait.
0: The NFL denied the claim mm-hmm. because the testing said that the norm score. or uh-huh. well, NFL decided the norm scores were incorrect.
1: Right, right. Wow. So, yeah. So, this, me, ooh, okay. The story is so good. So, when he took a second exam, his doctor adjusted the results using what they call a special scale for black players, and his claim was then denied again because this time his scores didn't make him eligible for payout. So initially, he met the requirements and showed um, the, the cognitive decline, but when they adjusted the scales, he now does not fit into the criteria for a payout. Who adjusted the scales again? The doctor based on these are NFL this is the, the NFL NFL's
0: doctors, doctors. okay mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah so now Davenport um he did his neurological exam in 2019 and the NFL approved doctor found that he had diminished language and executive functioning right and that it was enough to qualify him for compensation and he even received a letter that he qualified But check this out. The NFL appealed the award and said that um, that his scores, um, that when his scores were recalculated for race, um, that he was not impaired in any category and not eligible for payout in any category, in any category. Right. Um, And so what the NFL is doing, um, they are using this race. These race-based benchmarks, or what we call race norming, um, to evaluate the players in their claims. Okay. Where did they get that from? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to tell okay. you in just a little bit. But um, so so even though they're using the the same test, the raw scores for black players and white play uh, or former players are interpretedly interpreted differently. Okay, Um, which is quite interesting. And
0: one of the things, tra- Wait, I, uh-huh. I mean, I'm just okay. So first, of all, you threw a, you threw a lot on me. So first of okay. all, we started with Dookie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that, and and then you're saying like they had to retire early, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They're reporting declines. Mm-hmm. They did the testing, mm-hmm. and the testing is saying they don't qualify. Right
1: when when the scales are adjusted because they're black
0: but why are they adjusting the scales i'm wait. i'm wait. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping ahead but it's, i'm getting stressed
1: yeah i know i know that's how i felt when i was reading through the stories um okay so let first let's just talk about what race norming is because this is probably going to blow you too um, especially because you are very interested in law stuff okay so Race norming is the practice of adjusting test scores for race. Um, or another term that they might use in a more scientific world is within group score conversion. Okay, So they use this in a lot of medical fields, they say. Um, and it's supposed to be a safeguard against misdiagnosis. It
0: sounds like the California move for <laughs> AAE.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and so but but really what this is is it assumes that the black player starts at a lower level of cognitive functioning Ooh, if that's not racist i know that's so really we say, what it is. Mm? run that back again run that back
0: it assumes
1: it, what yeah i mean and you know this isn't what what they say about right. it but that's what it does and i i'm gonna talk about that a little more when i get a little deeper into it but um, it assumes that the average black player starts at a lower level of cognitive function than the average white player.
0: You know that what that makes me think about? I remember,
1: sorry, no, I go mean, ahead, go ahead. but I remember,
0: when was this? In 2018, when I was writing the article on the school to confinement pipeline and stuff, mm-hmm. and we have found um, this article from a, a white researcher that has said, black students were intellectually less inclined than white students Mm -hmm. and that they Mm -hmm. just didn't try. And so that when they being tested, Mm -hmm. they should be tested below the norm because black kids just don't want to try and they're not
1: as smart as white Mm -hmm. kids. That's what they remind That's, that's wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're probably going to come back to that in a little bit too, but now look at this. I was like, let me look a little more into this race norming because, um, I've seen the terms in articles as corrected scales and Mm -hmm. adjusted scales. Like, uh, They adjust for race and education and age and all these kind of things, right? But race norming was actually implemented by the U.S. government in 1981. Mm -hmm. And then it was outlawed by the Civil Rights Act of 1991. Okay. But 91, no. I know. (laughs) And so, but the interesting thing about it is that Um, initially the intention of it was to counteract racial bias in aptitude tests that were given to job, to people applying for jobs, um, and the, and for neuropsychological tests. And so the reason it was outlawed was not because of the reasons that you and I are sitting here thinking it's not fair. Right. The reason it was outlawed was because there was criticism that race norma was biased in favor of black people what (laughs) right because think about it it is it's basically um what i like to think of it is is giving a curve right right like in as educators sometimes we may we may give a curve right Mm -hmm. but when you give a curve it doesn't mean that that's what the person or the student earned that's just a little leeway you gave them because they weren't doing that well right yeah Yeah. right (laughs) so um so that's what I found out about race norming. Um, but going back into this story, so you know the the lawyers are talking about um, how the NFL is using these two scoring curves, which you know when you even think about that, I know that there's more than just white and black players in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. Right. When- and so, does this even account for people who are mixed race, Latinx? Samoan, I would imagine <laughs>
0: Latinx, Latinx, Hispanic descent, and Samoan. I could see them being treated similarly,
1: they're probably, using unless them. they
0: identify as white. Uh huh, uh huh. It's,
1: yeah, it's very, very interesting. And the other thing that is really interesting about it is that this whole story is coming out in such an awkward time for the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Because the NFL already had the whole Kaepernick. Thing and, you know, not really um, supporting Black Lives Matter. And now they're trying to jump into Black Lives right. Matter. And so... <laughs>
0: but you have this biased, prejudice
1: process. Yes. Um, and so um, some of the other um, criticisms that they've had about the payout is just that um, there's a cutoff date there was a cutoff date of april 22nd um 2015. Mm-hmm. and i think that that's the date while of Wait, when
0: a, a cutoff date for what the believe, lawsuit
1: um for the yeah for the previous one i think for the players to actually i guess put their oh the statute of the
0: limitation. okay
1: yeah um but I think that from what i read, I gather that even for those who put their names in before, because, you know, if they're still doing testing, um, those who may pass away afterwards, after that cutoff date, Mm -hmm. and they find CTE in their brains are not eligible, or their families aren't eligible for the payout
0: because they passed away
1: because they passed away and then you know uh, what so they pass away
0: in this document because right now the only way except for i saw an article where there's that researcher who's trying to find a way to be able to identify it while you are alive Mm -hmm. but you're saying even if they die and we find the cte in their brain after they die which would mean absolutely that they should get paid they don't qualify because they passed like the estate
1: should still get money Right. And that's that's what I gathered from reading the article. So there's a lot of controversy um, of what's going on. And so basically, they're just saying that, you know, the NFL really needs to live up to its word and treat the Black players like their lives do matter um, instead of just pushing them aside. And like one of the phrases that I read that they have adopted is de- delay, deny, and hope you die. And that's just so sad. Wait, what? That's the phrase that the the former players have feel
0: like Mm is, wow,
1: I know it's, it's really interesting. Um, and so, uh, another part of that is, so all of the cases are not dementia related, right? Um, players who, who qualify can have dementia or other neurological conditions, such as Parkinson's and Mm -hmm. amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS. Or more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease right okay so that gets interesting too because um so it was reported that the cases involving diagnosis of ALS have reached up to five million dollars right and about um i think it says that there's um about one-third of the applications for those have been approved for payouts right as well as there's a lot of payouts for parkinson's but let's talk about that a little bit okay okay Okay. with dementia which racial group do you think has the highest prevalence for dementia really
0: (laughs) is that a trick question or like you really want me to answer that just
1: just think about it alzheimer's i mean
0: black people
1: (laughs) african americans have the highest prevalence right who, which groups do you think has the highest prevalence for Parkinson's and ALS? I would say white people because I don't. Yeah, right. I, it's really rare. I see. You're right. OK, you're right. So um, the incidence of Parkinson's and ALS is significantly higher mm. in, um, in whites than in blacks. And then, of course, we have higher rates of dementia.
0: And the ALS and the Parkinson's is what's getting the easy payout. They're getting the payout. And the ones that have the CTE attached to this dementia and stuff Mm -hmm. is not getting the payout. They're
1: not getting the
0: payout. The the implicit bias in this. (laughs) There's a
1: lot. And then there's also the other factor of, you know, testing for ALS and Parkinson's um, is is different than, um, than for dementia, Right it can be, dementia testing can be a little more subjective in a mm-hmm. sense and it can How be, so. well, for ALS and Parkinson's, there are physical complications that happen, right? So you can do like these, uh, like for, for ALS, they'll do like spinal taps. They'll check, um, you know, they can check their neurons, uh, neuron functioning, all those kind of things. And there are physical, you um, there are very physical um symptoms that are present. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Parkinson's. You have the tremor. You can you can do neuroimaging and check the substantia nigra and see what the levels of dopamine are in the mm. brain. But with, with dementia, you may be able to see like atrophy of the white matter, which is like a decrease in. So it may look a little um, it may not look as full as like a normal brain, mm-hmm. but just like Alzheimer's is pretty much like CTE in the fact that you can't really see it on neuroimaging until post-mortem when the person is no longer alive. So there's um, there's that part of it. I mean... The story I, is crazy,
0: right? It's like, <laughs> like mind-blowing. <laughs>
1: I know. So it, When I, I saw this, if the story came up um, on my Instagram feed, I think, because I follow all the sports groups and I was like oh let me look a little more into this and the more that I read I just couldn't believe that all this stuff was like blatantly happening and the thing about the NFL is that they're like um they're like no this is um these allegations are not truthful they are denying everything um and so but they do have what's called a special master interesting title right wait it's called a special master this person is the special master it's a person (laughs) it's a person oh yes um so the special master um is the person who hears the evidence and makes the recommendations to the judge Mm -hmm. um in the appeals for these
0: specific cases
1: yeah and so they say that the doctors can use um they can use racial norms at their discretion Right, um, and, and not having used them is not enough to deny a legal claim um, because they're, you know, they're saying like, you know, if you're doing that, that's actually illegal. Right. Um, and but last week, the special master did acknowledge and said, "quote, African American specific norms increase the rate of false negatives." Okay, and then he oh. said. He or she, I'm not sure which one, but some Black ex-players may be denied access to necessary benefits or compensation Compensation solely on the basis of race. Clearly. Right. Clearly. And so they're starting to acknowledge.
0: The master the, said
1: that? The special master. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna just yeah. keep
0: saying the master because clearly we gotta, we have to highlight that the master, the master, yeah, that is based on race. I mean, mm-hmm. that's obvious.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and but the, the special master did not claim that the practice of the NFL was unlawful.
0: How is it not if you're talking about that? Is it's based on race, that is unconstitutional. It is well, a-
1: and the thing about that is he had to have been the one, he or she had to have been the one who said, who went back and questioned what the mm-hmm. doctors of these two right. individuals I mean, um, it's,
0: reported. It's so much conflict of interest because the doctors work for the NFL.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: lawyers work for the NFL. So who's on the,
1: the, the, the
0: side of the retired players?
1: Ooh, so, okay, so you kind of led me into something. That was good, Dr. this. So okay. um, now I, I want to say first that um, the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, Uh um, last week said that the lead would work with the court to consider whether changes to their protocols are necessary to consider, um, to consider. Um,
0: So the fact that this person said. Race is an issue here. You still got to consider that? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So he also said that the settlement seeks to provide accurate examinations to retired uh-huh. players. Interesting. Um, and they permit, but they do not require independent clinicians to consider race in adjusting retired players' test scores. Um, this is as they would in their typical practice. They but, don't require... <laughs> but I don't know if these clinicians are doing that in their typical practice
0: these clinicians also work for the NFL the, yeah okay so uh,
1: from the NFL um and something else about that statement I wanted to make um uh shoot I think I kind of re- I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit but um oh what I wanted to say was um they're they say that they're not um, required to use them right but ABC news did an investigation and they uncovered emails between the (laughs) clinicians. So I'm Uh. just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you some of their statements that they made. So this is the first one. Um, This one says, especially in the currents, in our current state of affairs, I'm realizing and feeling regretful for my culpability in this inadvertent systemic racism issue. oh uh, hello uh-huh and then um also wrote as a group we could have been better advocates
0: hello uh because that's your job your it job is. is to advocate first Let, let's first preface this advocate? by saying alleged emails Uh huh. but mm-hmm. your, your mm-hmm. first job is to advocate first that's what you're there for like your expertise is surrounded around your ability to advocate for the most vulnerable
1: exactly exactly um And so another another clinician said that they face consequences for anything less than strict adherence to the program's guidelines. Um, And then another clinician said, in my experience, my experience is that when clinicians deviate from the algorithm, there are multiple inquiries levied at them. So they technically, they can make the decision, but they're going to have to answer a lot of questions if they don't use those race-adjusted
0: skills. I mean, the the type of feeling that you have to say, to have for yourself internally, to send an email that says, you know, I'm ashamed of my culpability and implicit mm-hmm. racism. But mm-hmm. it's, the thing that bothers me about that is that, you know, again, like we talk about checking your bias, the fact that people could be so steeped in that racism and not even realize that they've been doing it. Like, mm-hmm. how does it take somebody uncovering all of this for you to realize that this was racist you didn't think
1: this was racist when you was doing it right well and then if have you seen the movie concussion
0: i did i did
1: and so if you think about that movie or even if you just because before concussion came out i read dr amalu's story Mm -hmm. and if you just even think about the type of pressure that the nfl or Almost innocent. Like, I don't want to say threat because I don't want the NFL coming after me. But <laughs> like, almost, I, I mean, it. I feel I feel like some of them felt like, let me just do it this way so that I can move on and not have to worry about it. But that gets back to what you were saying about that part of your ethics mm-hmm. and not doing any harm.
0: You can put me on a soapbox because that's the problem. <laughs> that's a problem we're in a lot of clinical uh-huh. arenas is that we just do the bare minimum just to get it done like we're not doing it with intention we're just doing it as an afterthought not realizing the harm Mm -hmm. that we could be causing or setting up for individuals
1: yep yep um that's really good dr s so um and then the last one of the last comments was bottom line is that the norms do discriminate against black players so now what in this time of reckoning, like many professions, I think we need to look closely at the expected and unexpected ramifications of our practices. Can we go back to my question
0: on, so where did the norms come from? Oh, that's good, because that's that's what we're getting to. Like and I'm um, so pissed that these people say it does do this. Yeah. But first of all, why would you be using a different set of norms anyway? Mm-hmm. Who authorized so, this?
1: There's literature there's literature out um the acronym is moans but they are males older uh, there's older african american normative studies okay
0: i've never heard of this um
1: yeah so let me tell you about when i first found out about this i was in the doc program taking cultural and linguistic diversity with Uh dr k pain and i had to do i had to modify the boston naming test right Mm-hmm. And I found this article and it had adjusted norms for older black people. So this shows you how much this is <laughs>
0: don't judge me, nobody listening. This shows you how much I pay attention. Because I don't I remember you presenting because we had to present those assignments.
1: If you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Yeah. So I did this assignment, right? And I had to modify the Boston naming test, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was doing my research and I found these articles that talked about um, adjusted norms for older African-Americans. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to present this with my um with my PowerPoint. You thought you had a gym. I thought I had a gym. And so I get in there. It was ready. And I'm talking and I was like, yeah, and I found these, um, the moans, the adjusted scores, Uh and you know, you can use these with African-Americans and blah, blah, blah. So you was
0: giving her the stushy tone. Was was, you really really talking like that? No, I absolutely
1: (laughs) was not because I was terrified, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, and then Dr. Payne says. Well, why would we use a different set of norms?
0: And K Payne will classically sun you every time. <laughs> she
1: would. And so, you know, I'm sitting there with standing there with the blank face, and I'm like, um, she's like, why would we use a different set of norms? Because when we use these different sets of norms, um, it basically just says that we're changing the score, mm-hmm. but we still don't really know how they did on the name of it. Right. Right. Um and so she's like, why wouldn't we just uh, modify the test? Why does the test have to be designed the way that
0: it is? And that's like so simplistic.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that, you know, k Payne is like a beast with the social linguistics. And that right there seems so simplistic. Like it's like it's not rocket science. Why wouldn't anybody think that? Like, like mm-hmm. like you found that document and you thought you was like, yeah, I'm getting ready to get this. Hey, I done came up on something, yeah. and she just like popped the little bubble with. Something that is common sense, like why are we making new norms for black people instead of modifying the assessment, which is what we do a lot of times, right? Everybody makes Mm -hmm. concessions about like, oh, how we test and how we respond instead of looking at the fact of how the test was created.
1: Right, right. And so and that is um, what really um, what I was thinking about when I was reading all of this, because I was like, okay, now these people put all this time and energy into readjusting the norms, Uh um, right? All this time and energy, but they never took time to look at the test and say, Hmm, is it possible?
0: Hello? Is it
1: possible that the items in the test are biased
0: possible?
1: Right. (laughs) I, you know, it's like these tests are, they're considered to be widely, um, Uh, what are they widely used Mm -hmm. and widely um, recommended right but these tests are also 30 years old and more and they were they were initially no the reason they're doing these is because they were initially normed on middle class white men mostly um it's in the midwest the parallel that you just made like i
0: mean the fact that you're talking about assessments being normed on White males in the Midwest. That's the same thing with the law. Mm-hmm. The law is a hundred percent a white male system. Mm-hmm. It is a paternalistic system. It is normed on white men. Mm-hmm. Like everything in the law and the legal system, everything yeah. that's in the con- that's in that constitution that we discussed, the decisions that are made, the the sentencing numbers, is all normed on white men.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then, but let me tell you about. These moans, uh, the moans studies. Guess how many participants they had in them.
0: What you mean, a black participants? Uh
1: huh. Uh-huh.
0: Um, wait to create this uh-huh. modification. I don't know how many.
1: Uh, one study showed about two hundred and seventy something, and another mm-hmm. one showed about three hundred and nine.
0: And that was enough to generalize to all black people.
1: <laughs> that was enough.
0: Definitely. let's not go down this road to call it call it quantitative studies please
1: <laughs> i know so let me just tell you about um this article from 2011 um it is um by norman and, and some colleagues and this one looks at well they calculated demographically corrected t-score formulas mm. um, for race and ethnicity on um, a few neural tests including the hop Hopkins verbal learning test revised, mm-hmm. the brief visual spatial memory test revised, the Stroop color and word test, and the Wisconsin card sorting test, a uh, 64 card version. And um, basically, they, they felt that their findings strongly support the use of separate norms for black and white people. And that the black examinees performed lower on measures of visual and verbal learning memory and executive functions mm-hmm. okay so they they said that and i'm i'm waiting to hear your response to this Uh-oh. they said that they considered that educational background may have led differences in the scores
0: whose um, educational did, background
1: and they discussed educational disparities okay mm-hmm. and They said that the neuropsychological score differences between African American and Caucasian groups may include academic exposure, education quality, academic resources, acculturation, socioeconomic status, social exposure, test wiseness, societal discrimination, and lifelong experiences contributing to low group and self-expectations.
0: Okay, so...
1: 1995.
0: (laughs) uh, I mean, you you all can't see my face, but those who know me well, you probably know what my face looks like. Mm -hmm. And you probably know what I unofficially want to say. But, I mean, so... I can't even... How can I say this nicely? So how do we, so when do we start to take blame for this? Because it sounds like you're saying that this is all their fault, but we didn't talk about the fact that you set them up for that, Mm -hmm. that all that under-resourced stuff of test-wiseness, when you create tests that are not normed and benefited Mm -hmm. to Black people, when you create tests that does not accommodate the cultural learning styles, and then you use culture as an excuse, and a reason to say, well, this is why they don't do well. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of nerve. I a know, lot of nerve I people. Know. When
1: I saw this statement in there, I was like, oh man, Sharika is gonna flip it when I <laughs> I mean, so we're not gonna talk about
0: these test gaps. Like, I mean, just going mm-hmm. back to K Payne, like the the studies that K Payne has done to look at just simply the 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 bias in the praxis. And you gonna sit there and talk about how this is why they don't do well, mm-hmm. acculturation. Mm -hmm. what is that supposed to mean i would love to have a conversation
1: with these people and you know um and even going back to that thought of why not look at the test right and it makes me wonder is it is it that they really just feel like these are the best tests to use or is it laziness because it takes it takes work to to modify tests but it but it hasn't been done for especially for adults even especially in the field of speech language pathology Adult neuro tests have remained the same forever, and even the Boston Naming Test, right? Old as heck. It, it was revised in 2000. I mean, it's old as heck. I remember I that test was old
0: when I was in my master's program. It like it's old. old. Yeah.
1: So now it's 21 years old, right? And you remember that picture, that one picture, yeah. The noose, the noose, right? Do you know that they just this spring just issued out an alternative image just. for that? And the problem with that
0: for me was, it was like I don't understand how everybody administered this test and never had a problem with it. Like it took so mm-hmm. long for people to be like, "Oh wait, this is a noose. It's not okay." <laughs> And then to finally for them to just send you, not with the letter of apology, not with an explanation of doing better, mm-hmm. not with realizing that your test is biased. They just sent you a card to slide in the book in place of this noose. You have to
1: order it. It's zero
0: dollars. You got to order, you gotta order it. <laughs> so just in case you're still okay with the noose, you ain't got to change it. Yeah. You ain't got to yeah. change it. But if you are not okay with the noose, then order it and we'll send you one that you can put in place. Mm-hmm. Not redo the whole book because we don't got time to do the whole book for this bias right we just got time to send you a little card to slide in there if you have a problem with like the the audacity
1: right yeah um so yeah it's 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 a very interesting thing and um so what's next with this well we're still waiting to hear you know the last um thing that i read was about the nfl uh commissioner um saying that they will consider so i think it's gonna take a while I think it's going to be a process
0: so they're going to consider throwing out these norms or they're going to consider what like i need the norms to get thrown out like yesterday <laughs>
1: to get thrown out right oh and speaking of that there was um some recent rescoring requested by the lawyers mm-hmm. and um, they rescored the cognitive test from a group of 94 black former players mm-hmm. um and nine of them were, were considered to be incomplete because they were missing raw scores. And that left about 85, right? 85 tests scored by 40 different clinicians.
0: 40 different clinicians? Yeah, between the
1: years of 2016 and 2020. When the clinician interpreted those scores um, just on the regular scales that they use for white people, mm-hmm. 34 of the black players met the criteria to re- receive payouts when they applied what they called the demographic correction um to those scores guess how many how many 10, Ten. qualified okay
0: so the, so we this is clearly biased my thing is even that statement demographic correction so you're mm-hmm. just assuming that every black person has been exposed to these unfavorable outcomes that you set us up in what about the ones that come from middle class right. these are all men that went to college clearly to be able to be are uh, drafted into the nfl so exactly. they should not have a modified norm just because so you really exactly. are treating them like that because their skin color
1: exactly exactly and you know and i think that's the thing that Ten? <laughs> that's the thing that we will want um clinicians to take away right um mm-hmm. is that when we talk about using culturally um the word keyword now is culturally responsive mm-hmm. culturally appropriate culturally relevant Mm-hmm. It, it still is an individual factor right you can't right. just say oh yep their skin is brown so mm-hmm. I gotta use anything and black that's happening a
0: lot <laughs> I mean I think that there is like this negative this this backwards process that happened is that because we're talking about culture and bias and diversity and equity so much Mm -hmm. that that is happening a lot because people think clinicians think that that is the best way to address Mm -hmm. the idea that i'm not biased and because i'm not biased i'll make sure that i use these like you thought the moan was a great thing to use Mm -hmm. a clinician finds that and they're like oh this is perfect because this supports you know the needs of the black person but it's still racist it's still wrong i've
1: heard um i heard i've heard researchers give that as a recommendation to and I'm like no do not do it <laughs> no you're just you're just giving them a curve and giving a curve doesn't a bias mean that curve. you're seeing their true potential.
0: A bias curve it would take it takes more work mm-hmm. and it shows your clinical skill your critical your clinical critical thinking skill mm-hmm. to like you said administer the test the way it was administered and account for the cultural differences if there are any
1: if there are any
0: you just assuming that there's cultural differences automatically when you mm-hmm. submit something like that
1: yep oh yeah that's what, um there's a there is a video with the interview with kevin henry and he's like how can they give us different test scores he's like when we were on the field we were all we were black we were white right. we were everything else and we all got hit the same <laughs> exactly
0: you didn't get a different punch just because you were black
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean but what it really it what it to me what it also says is it still that continued idea like how there's this belief that black people handle pain differently mm-hmm. and so it's almost like saying yeah no you don't yes. qualify because you so what you got hit like Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all, y'all built for that. Like, you're—it's yeah. okay for you to get hit, and you. Yeah. There's no way you have CTE or dementia or concussion you know related I mean, to this.
1: You brought up a really, really good point because what the what these race norms say is that they have to be significantly declined. Right? You got to pretty
0: much die a brain injury on the right. field. It
1: has to be really severe, and the thing that we know about concussion is that. The symptoms are typically mild -hmm. right it's and so they put them at a disadvantage at at that
0: moment in my opinion i would say like dookie (laughs) (laughs) he he was exhibiting difficulties early i mean he defecated in somebody's laundry basket Mm -hmm. and then all of this the decline came afterwards Mm -hmm. but like it is that idea of like no you didn't get hit hard enough because your body's built for those type of hits so of course you don't qualify. Right. It's not about keeping them you from know, the money. It's about this biased belief of how we are but made you up. You
1: know what I will say about the money though, if you think about it, um, I, I saw a stat and I now I can't remember off the top of my head, but about it, it's probably somewhere between sixty to seventy percent of NFL players are black. Mm-hmm. So if too many of them qualified. They do have to put out a lot more but money. But the
0: NFL got a lot of money. I mean, they make
1: there's NFL they players do. that
0: make more money than the president. The
1: NFL
0: in one game
1: gets an it was an annual revenue of ten billion dollars. Billion, billion.
0: So, I mean, so Bessos ain't seeing them. This seven hundred and
1: sixty-five million, which I guess now is at about eight. 800 million is, is a drop in the
0: head it, period it's, it's, a, it's barely the taxes the it's barely yeah. the taxes they pay for that stuff like it is a billion dollar company and it's a billion dollar company based off of the backs of these men mm-hmm. primarily the backs of these black men and so to not compensate them or their families for the ones who don't qualify because they died right. is is wrong because They have these deficits and your part. I mean, granted, they knew what they were getting into. So there's this legally, you know, in the there's this idea of like, you know, you know the risk Mm -hmm. that you it's it's a express risk that you decided to take. You know what comes into football when you went into football. However, because now we're seeing that a lot of them did not know about the damages Mm -hmm. to the brain Mm -hmm. that they now know. This is this is a back thing. Like I could, you know, there's these are men. Like yeah. these two guys that this is before they knew that this was a risk. Mm-hmm. So it's like you really you you really didn't sign up for that type of risk, even I'm though saying, it was present. Yeah. And it's unfair to not it's unfair to not pay them. Like
1: yeah, yeah,
0: that's crazy. The bias. Well, I I knew it was deep. I didn't think the bias. Wow. I know.
1: Yeah, I could I could not wait to break this story to the tape. It
0: was a good one to start no. with. It was a good one to start with, and I think that um. Yeah, I mean we, we I ate. I was fed tonight. <laughs> so I'm I'm stuffed. I think I gotta process all of this. I need to need to wrap it up right here. I mean
1: Yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. And you know, and I like I said, I hope that clinicians will take away um that the use of those adjusted norms is not a quick fix,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: dynamic assessment, using informal assessment. Um, those are some of the ways to address um, those cultural differences if those cultural differences are present um, on these tests.
0: Right. Um, so in like in an adult setting, what does a dynamic assessment look like for y'all?
1: Oh, you know that's good. Um, so it, it's not extremely different from what we talk about with children. You know discourse sample, um, that's my favorite. Um, mm. That's my favorite method because a discourse, a discourse sample, can let you see expressive and receptive mm-hmm. language skills it can let you see cognitive skills you know organization right um memory you can get so much from that it's a little more time consuming we like to say but a lot of times you time can, into it. you can pick those things up fairly mm-hmm.
0: quickly
1: right um so that's my really my favorite method and then also um like when you recognize that certain um, items in the test I, th- I think we tend to do a lot of that anyway mm-hmm. because uh, in medical settings what we've traditionally done is take bits and pieces of other assessments and created our our own mm-hmm. except now especially in the nursing home setting they've changed the insurance um, rules so mm-hmm. they will um they now have to have more standardized scores
0: and that's a good um, thing too though Cause he was running in and like say I, I'm gonna give you three words. What was the three words? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so it it definitely can be done, and I mm-hmm. think that a lot. I think clinicians tend to do it anyway. They just don't always recognize that they're already doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being more aware of mm-hmm. the items that you're presenting and how your patient responds, because just like you always say, um, like even just talking about AAE we're not the only ones that speak it right mm-hmm. and so when i worked in hawaii the people who were samoan talk just like me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and so um just being just being aware like having that self-awareness and paying attention to other people
0: mm. all right so like where can we access like these articles and stuff are you gonna give us yeah, access to it? i'm
1: gonna um drop some show notes um, okay. Where the um, where the podcast is posted.
0: Okay. Well, I, I wasn't that high sick with my stuff. I gotta <laughs> look in the show notes. But all right, I think this was a good one. Yeah, I'm fed. Thank you, Dr. D. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Thanks for uh, for sitting at the
0: table with me. All right. Let's go wash these dishes. <laughs>
1: all
0: right. Whew, that was a good episode. That was a good episode, Dr. D. Thanks yes 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 so um thank you so much for that excited to hear what we have for the next uh brain injury chronicles podcast release really excited i'm not even gonna ask you what it's about i'll wait because that one was really good (laughs) um but i want us to always be intentional as we're ending the sessions of highlighting Black owned businesses and black entrepreneurs. So, I want to give a shout out to the young man who created our music, our intro and outro beat, um, She Love Molly. You can find him on Instagram at She Love Molly, M A L I I, is how you spell Molly. And I want to give a shout out to an amazing, beautiful black woman, black entrepreneur whose candles we use to vibe out for today's podcast. She can do co. You can find her on Instagram at She Candle Co. And the candle scent that we vibed out with tonight was fearless.
1: Yes, and I'm definitely feeling the vibe from that mixed in with that beat we have. It was nice.
0: Yeah, it was a good mix. So check them out on Instagram. Um follow the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Support black owned businesses. And yes. You know, thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you. And what what are we having for dinner next episode?
0: Girl, I did not even put the menu together yet, but <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing. Um, so next episode will be cognitive capacity. Yes. And we will start with a uh, groundbreaking story and, and dive right in with that this I'm, month.
1: I'm excited. Sounds good.
0: All right, see you in the next time.
1: All right.